Welcome to The Automators, Episode 3, where we talk about some automation with our pal Sal Sagoyan. Yes, we are very excited to have Sal on the show here today. For those of you who don't know him, he's possibly the most important person in the automation world. Isn't that right, David? Yeah, you know, when we started the show, we were like, well, we're going to have guests too, of course. In fact, to you listeners out there, if you've got a really cool automation workflow, let us know uh, in the forums because we're going to pick a few and we're going to have some of you on the feature. But the the obvious first guest was Sal. Uh, Sal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, I am just so pleased to be here. I'm so pleased that automation is an exciting topic once again. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, we had Sal on the Mac Power Users, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes where we talked at length. But the, the real quick ver- uh, short summary of it is I first met Sal when he taught AppleScript at the um, Mac... Um, Macworld Expo years ago. He did a two-day course on it, and I have used the stuff Sal taught me in that course for, I don't know, something like 10 years now, uh, all the time to help me get automation better. And and for the longest time, Sal was uh, was the term product manager. I mean, you you were basically the guy for automation at Apple for a long time. My job was kind of overloaded. My title was product manager automation technologies, but I also functioned as the dev representer and I would the public meeting presenter and I, I PR guy and a bunch of other things too were all encompassed within that title. Well, I mean, it, the fact is Sal loves automation and it's infectious if you spend any time with them because there's so many ways you can make your life easier with this stuff. And and now you're not with Apple, but you're still doing that. You're helping Omni with the JavaScript implementation they're doing. Uh, you're constantly publishing stuff over at Mac Automation. I'm sorry, macosautomation.com. And, you know, you're just a, you're a treasure of the community for the automation stuff. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Definitely. I mean, I wouldn't have got started with AppleScript if it hadn't been for you and your websites. So thank you because I'm here today because of you. I, I am so impressed and inspired. That's amazing. I am just thrilled with the work that you're doing, uh, pushing and advancing automation around the world through very creative ways and, and orchard-related orchard uh, presentations. I, I'm just thrilled with what you're doing, too. Yeah, I, 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 do, I must say that I actually uh, am working with Apple I have uh, an Apple badge. I work as a contractor with HCS, which is Craig Cohen's organization, for the enterprise team at Apple. I help them to uh, develop automation tools for setting up iOS devices using Macs. Mm-hmm. And so some of that stuff that we developed early at during my time at Apple, we're still using and advancing, and it's it's really incredible. And just give a shout out to JD and Adam and the and Ricardo and the rest of the team over there. They're doing a really great job on automating iOS devices using Macs. And they're, are they using AppleScript for that? Or I don't know if you can uh, say AppleScript wanna... comes into play quite a bit. It's mostly yeah. based on Automator. Uh, you, they use workflows upon attachment to automate the setup of iOS devices for companies, usually large installations, you know, in the maybe tens of thousands of iOS devices where uh, they might not have access to a network or the, the convenience of just being able to plug and go is really important. So we developed uh, that technology. I worked with the configurator team. 
uh, Todd Fernandez and the F- configurator team, and we developed an architecture for that. And I document a lot of that at configautomation.com, which you can get to from the macosautomation.com master site. Yeah. And, you know, gang, if you're, first of all, this is an episode we want you to listen to in front of a computer because Sal, as the first guest, has set a, uh, set the bar so high that I don't think any future guests will match. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into the weeds on some Apple script today because that's what we do on the show. Sal set up a website for you. So if you go to macosautomation.com slash automators, you'll see how he did that. There's a whole Apple script there that's annotated for you. It's got videos to show and we're going to talk through it on the show today. So I think one of the best ways to get your very first lesson in script from, from Apple script from the guy um, is to sit down, listen to our show, and just just open that website on your Mac, and you're going to get the code and everything you need. Um, before we get started, I think if anybody's getting serious about Apple Script, one thing I would recommend you do: uh, Apple has a built-in Apple Script editor on your Mac. But if you want to get serious about this stuff, the the app that I've been using, and Sal told me about this app way way long ago when I took his course, is you want to get yourself uh, over to Late Night Software. There's an app called Script Debugger. And for years, I paid for this app, um, you know, bought it. They had a, a, a purchase system. Now they've got a thing where you can, I believe you can just download it and upgrade your license once you get into it. But so anybody can download it and get the basic features with it. And it's, in my opinion, far superior to, to, to the Apple script editor in the uh, built into the Mac OS. It's a wonderful tool. Yeah. yeah, it's got a complete free trial for the first 20 days as well, which is really, really good for testing it out. I highly recommend it. Yeah, one of the tricks of Apple Script is the libraries, and and you know we're it's a real challenge to do this on a podcast because it's a programming language. But but the libraries into the applications is what gets you the the magic ability to automate them. And Script Debugger's libraries are amazing. Um, uh, another thing is I want to plant a seed. We're going to talk about this later in the show, but Sal's getting ready to do a whole three day conference on Apple Script, um, and that's going to be in October in Cartersville, Georgia. Uh, going to the south this time. It's called <laughs> it's called the Command D Down Home Scripting Bootcamp, and um, and we are going to have a code for you at the end of the show to get you two hundred dollars off. So we have a lot to talk about, but but you know this is the automator, so we like to get nerdy. So let's start out talking a little bit about this Apple Script implementation that Sal shared with us. A lot of people always ask me when they want to get into Apple Script. They're like, I'm not really sure how I use it. You know, I understand that there's this great language out there that lets me connect apps together and make my Mac do things without my, without me having to trouble with it. But where do I start? And I asked that question of Sal and he put together this really great uh, tutorial for us. So how don't we start there? Okay. So once again, this is at macosautomation.com slash automator. So if you're listening in your car, um, this is one I would pause right now and just wait till you get home and from your Mac, because looking at the code is going to make this way easier for you. Yes, and Sal's been really great here, and he's got a complete downloadable uh, zip file with everything in it that you're going to need to get started and play. All right, so what is this script about? So when uh, we when you asked me about uh, doing the podcast, I, I of the thousands of scripts that I've written or seen in my life, I said, you know, is there some type of script that shows some of the basic power behind Apple Script and some of the remarkable abilities that it has, but at the same time is quite functional and easy to understand. And my mind instantly went to uh, this script. 
And what the script does is it takes a table in numbers and takes the data from the table and makes a chart in a slide on Keynote. And just the act of being able to run the script, it grabs the data, reformats it and transfers it and transforms it into a visual chart in another application. And it does so with a really small amount of Apple script. And I thought, wow, this is a great example for showing the transformative power of automation. And that's what the script is. It it starts off in numbers and it finds the table, extracts the data, stores the data, then goes to Keynote and runs a command for creating a chart and passing in the data that it had previously extracted. And that's the basic principle behind it. And once you've saved it and installed it into the system-wide script menu, it's there for you at any time. So you can just select uh, the script from the script menu and instantly the data from the current table you're looking at turns into a, a chart in Keynote. And then because you guys are my favorite people, I added two other scripts that you can also use based on the same script where you can select a row or a column in the table and use that data from that row or that column and turn it into a pie chart. So it's, it's really useful. And then you start realizing, you know, it just takes a small amount of effort to make this script and to spend what, 15 minutes to install it, create it, put it on your machine. But then every time you use it, think of how much time that is saving you from having to figure out how to grab that data from the table, how to go to, to keynote, how to create the slide, how to, create a a chart, then how to populate the chart with the data that you want, that could take an hour to do by hand, and it gets done in a second using AppleScript. So that's really what's going on with this particular script. This script really reminds me of kind of my hallelujah moment with AppleScript. It was like, like I said, I was taking your course At the time, I was seriously considering getting into Xcode, you know, like really going all in because I used to program computers all the time, kind of fell off the wagon for a long time. I thought it would be fun. I mean, the tools now in a lot of ways are easier than they used to be in a lot of ways. They're harder. But but I thought, you know, but I also have a career and other things I want to do. And I know people that spend all of their time programming computers and it's a never ending struggle, you know. But when I realized that with Apple Script, I could take the fruits of others. I could take the work that the Omni group does and that the, you know, smile does on PDF pen and these companies do, and I could glue them together in ways that I wanted them to work and make them do stuff for me that the developers had never even dreamed of. All I had to do is learn Apple script. That was like the moment for me when I realized, Oh, this is where I need to spend my time because I am a power user. I'm not a programmer. And and this stuff is great. And that's why I love the script because it takes two apps. Now you do the work in numbers, but it automatically uh, creates the chart for you in Keynote. And I can tell you the numbers team never had the idea of doing this. It's not a feature you're ever going to find built into the application. But like we said, this is 17 lines of code and you do this. And it's it's Apple script, so it's not even that hard of code. You know, it's easy to understand. 
Uh, could you walk us through just kind of, because let's assume people have taken our advice. They're looking at your code now on the website. Just walk us through kind of the basics of what the point is of some of these lines in here. Like, for instance, the first sure. line is tell application open quote numbers, uh, close quote. So that that is a line that you're always going to see when you're addressing an application in, in uh, AppleScript. It just gets the ball rolling. It gets it tells the, pro, the computer where you're where, you know, what sandbox you just jumped into. Right. A AppleScript, when they came up with the idea for AppleScript a long time ago, before System 7, the thought was, is there a way that basically with, it, with the user's thinking, you could just have them write that down and the computer would understand that? It's kind of very close to the idea of natural language like Siri uses, where the user says... Hey, you know, find me a grocery store nearby that sells fresh tomatoes. And somehow that gets understood and translated. So the idea was, can you have a natural language that the user could write that would actually control the applications on the computer? And AppleScript has an English-like syntax. It's very close to English. There are a certain couple things that are, are more stilted about it, but generally you can say things that are what you're thinking of. For example, uh, I can say, tell application finder to duplicate every file of the folder documents of home whose name contains Sparky to the desktop. And it will do what I just said. Now, on the computer, when you're dealing with AppleScript, you need to tell the computer who you're talking to. And in this particular case, we're talking to two applications, Numbers and Keynote. So the first part of our script, lines 1 through 10, are dealing with the Numbers application. So when we have a multiple-line script, we encase the statements that are dealing with numbers in a tell block. And that means we're going to start off by telling application numbers. And that's a way of waking it up and saying, hey, we're going to be talking to you. And then we give it all our various script statements. And when we're done, we say end tell. So that just means that anything between the first line and line 10 is going to be targeted at the numbers application. And that's called a tell block. There's two types of tells. A tell statement would be a one-line script, tell application numbers to activate. A tell block would be a multiple-line script beginning with the targeted application and ending with end tell. So if somebody wrote tell application numbers to activate, what would happen? That's a one-line script. What happens when you do that? then what happens is that gets translated into what they call Apple events. There's an underlying architecture that Apple script sits on top of. It's a messaging architecture called Apple events. And it's a way for applications and the system to send messages to each other. And what happens is the application numbers gets sent a message to start up and come forward. The word activate gets translated into that message, start up and come forward, become the frontmost application. So it just it just pulls it forward. And like people can organize their desktops 
with a couple simple Apple script commands. You know, I mean, if you like, if you're ready to podcast, you can say, tell application Skype to activate, you know, tell application Safari to activate. And then you can even probably, I have to think, I, you could even drive it to a certain web page so you could get your notes up. I mean, um, I know people that do that. Tell application Safari to set the URL of the front uh, window to Mac automation.com. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And the great thing about this is uh, it, there, there are dictionaries built into Mac OS and uh, so many applications like, for example, OmniFocus have uh, a dictionary, which means that if you're looking for uh, language specific to controlling a certain application, you can you can find that it's right there in the documentation built into your Mac, which is really, really powerful. So you can find out exactly what you can do with these things. And it's all explained there for you. Every application that is scriptable or will respond to Apple events carries an internal dictionary that you can view. And it tells you, these are my commands. These are what I understand. These are my objects like a document or a slide or text box or an image. And these are the properties that those objects have, like a height, a width, a color. And what you do with AppleScript, it's very conversational. You take a, a set of verbs and you match them with the objects and properties. So you could say, set the color of the current box to blue. And you've created a, a, an AppleScript statement that is very much like an English-like stay, uh, sentence. So... Quite often with AppleScript, you you can read the code and understand exactly what it's doing, which is in contrast to other languages like Swift or Objective-C or C++ or stuff like that, where you have to really look at what's going on because things are typed from the top down and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's really happening here? What is this variable? What's holding, what's in that? And with AppleScript, let's look at the second line here. Tell the first table of the active sheet of the front document. So that means we're targeting a very specific object that's in the front document. And you'll notice the word front. That indicates AppleScript's way of saying the first item, the first document, and maybe a stack of documents. On the Mac, we can have multiple documents open simultaneously. So AppleScript needs a way to indicate which one is the one you want to talk to. And in this case, in the English language, we use the word front all the time. If, if there's a row of people uh, lining up, you can say, well, the first person or the front person, the person at the front, please come forward. And AppleScript uses that as well. So that means it's looking at in the number spreadsheet, it's looking at the front number spreadsheet. It's just looking at the front sheet you have. And if you had two and you had one behind it, you want to look from the one behind, you would change the word front to what? The second. Yeah. Or exactly. you can even say the, sh the sheet behind the first sheet if you wanted to. So, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of ways that in, in English, we use positional identification quite a bit. Will the third person in the second row please stand up? You know, or you can use properties as a way of identifying. You can say, will everyone who has red hair please stand up? You know, there's different 
ways of identification and, and Apple Script incorporates those so that you don't have to know any particular programming construct to be able to target the object you want. And that same thing happens again at the beginning of that sec, uh, the line two, where it says, tell the first table. So if there's four tables on that uh, spreadsheet or on that page, you're talking to the first one. And that's a way of identifying that. And you'll notice something else. In AppleScript, to the world of AppleScript, and basically the way the computers work, is everything belongs to or is contained in something else. For example, a word is contained in a sentence which is contained in a paragraph which is contained in a story. A file is in a folder that's in a folder that's in another folder on a disk. And that's the way uh, things work on the computer. And the way you identify something is by identifying its position in the chain of command, its object hierarchy. So we're looking at the first table of the active sheet of the front document. It's like writing an address, you know, 123 Main Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, United States, planet Earth. Or, or the it's, car keys in the, uh, in the drawer in the entry hall, you know. There you go. You've described a containment, what is called a containment hierarchy, and that's how you identify things. And when you put the word tell before it, it's the way of telling the computer that this is the guy that's going to be doing what I need to do. In the first two lines, we've used two tell statements. The first to talk, say, this is the application we're talking to. And the second one to say, this is the particular object that we're talking to, a table, a very specific table. And then you do something with it. And then you do something with it. And then what do we do with it is the next three lines in our script where it says set the column titles to the formatted value of cells two through minus one of the first row of the cell range. And what happens there is we're describing a range of cells in a row. So, for example, our, our particular table has a header row and a header column. So we want the data from the table, not the header row. And so that's why we're saying cells two through minus one. And minus one is just a, a programming way of saying the last guy in the row. Instead of putting in the words last guy in the row there, we're saying cells two through minus one of the first row of the cell range. And cell range is a property of the table that is a list of positions. So you don't even have to know this is cell A1C or cell 3B2 or whatever. You just talk to the cell range and, and ask AppleScript to find it and it will do that for you. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander multiplies your team's productivity, making up-to-date shared knowledge available instantly to everybody. Using Text Expander, you can make sure your team's common responses are easily accessible and searchable and can be used with simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts. Your best writers can write and edit those responses, and everybody on any platform, macOS, iOS, Windows, and the web can use these snippets immediately everywhere 
and any update is put through instantly. If you're on a team, Text Expander will change your working life and leave more time for what you do best. Larger teams can even benefit from single sign-on and grouping accounts, which includes identity providers like Okta, OneLogin, and G Suite, which reduces the amount of time it takes to onboard new users or a large number of users at the beginning. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander. And don't forget to tell them that you heard about it on Automators. Our thanks to TextExpander from Smile for their support of this show. So the cell range, is that a part of the library entry for numbers? Is, is that correct? Exactly correct. If you look in the dictionary for numbers, if you're in Script Debugger or the Script Editor, and you choose to open dictionary, and you can view the entire dictionary of every term that, that numbers knows and every object and all the values, the cell range is a property of a table. And it just means, you know, what you have selected is identifiable uh, by a certain range. If you've ever used Excel, you'll notice that, you know, when you select something, it'll tell you, you selected B4 to Q16. And that identifies what is called the cell range. And that's a property in AppleScript for a table and numbers. So what happens in line two is we're getting the formatted value, which it means give it to me nicely with the period zero, zero, or whatever is being used or dollar sign or whatever. Give me that. And then we're going to store it in a container called column titles. We're making a, what is called a variable and variables are just basically bottles or bowls that you hold stuff in temporarily while you're using it in the script. And the, the way that you create a variable is very simple. You just make up a word that Apple script doesn't know, or that's not part of the application's dictionary. And it looks at it and it goes, Oh, that's a container. So, I took two words and jammed them together. I made them inner capped or camel cased column titles. And that's the name of my variable. And it's going to hold all of the data that was extracted by my request to get the uh, content of the first row of the cell range. Then the next line in the script does the same thing. And it gets the first column of the cell range. So what I'm doing in those first two, uh, line two, uh, line two, three, sorry, line three and line four, is I'm getting the headers. I'm getting the column titles and I'm getting the row titles. Yeah, because your keynote table needs titles and you're just grabbing yes. those variables. Right, I wanna keep those and I identify them because I know where they are. They're the header ones, so they're the first row or the first column are your header columns. And so the first uh, two lines of doing something, line three and four, is basically extracting that information. And that's really remarkable when you think about it, that one line of AppleScript will give me the contents of all of that row automatically in a nice list of strings or you know text names, whatever the column names or, or the row headers are, it's going to return those as a nice list of strings. And I store both of those in my variables, column titles and row titles. Then the, th the next line, I 
begin, I wanted to get the data for the table, all those numbers that are in that table. And so I make an empty container that's going to hold a list of values. And I do that, I call table data, I make up a, a word that AppleScript doesn't know. And it looks at it and says, oh, that's a container. And I give it a value of an empty container. That's in, a, in some programming languages, that's called an array. In AppleScript, you call them lists, but they're basically anything within curly braces that is separated by commas is a list. And so I created an empty list and a variable that's going to hold the data that I'm going to extract from the table. Does that make sense so far? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And one tip I would like to give people is um, when you uh, use, you can do this in script debugger or in script editor. In script editor, there's a hammer icon and in script debugger, it's the compile button. Once you click that, it does syntax highlighting, which for people who don't know, basically it makes uh, certain words special colors to help you figure out what they mean. And the variables are always green in both of these. They actually use the same syntax highlighting, which is really nice. Um, and that's really helpful for trying to figure things out. So you can follow what you're doing quite easily. Exactly. In this particular one, you'll notice that the properties of objects I made, like this light blue active sheet formatted value, uh, and then the positional ones I made like a, a greenish, like first, yeah, the word first in front are that, and then things that are objects I made like an orange, like document, cells, rows. So you can mm -hmm. begin to see, oh, this is an object, and this is the property of that object, and this is the value of that. And we put them together. Okay, so the next thing we're going to do is line six through eight. It's only a three lines, and it's a repeat loop. And but repeat loop means you're going to perform some kind of action multiple times, each time with a different object. And in this case, we're going to uh, go through each one of the rows. We have three rows of data. So the first time we're going to go through row two, and the next time is row three, next time is row four. Uh, of data, and then we're going to extract the data from those rows. That's basically what's going to happen. So that's why we're saying repeat with a I. And in this case, I is just a container. It, although that is a word, I, in, in AppleScript, it's not a word. So it looks at it as a container. It's called a loop counter. And it basically, it's just going to each time the loop occurs, it's going to have a value indicating uh, the loop that it's going through. And that loop uh, counter is going to be from two to the count of rows. So I'm asking AppleScript to count how many rows there are and start at the second one and go to the end. So if there's five rows and it starts at the second, it's going to do two, three, four, and five. If there's four rows, it's going to start the second and go two, three, and four. And each time I will have that value of two, three, or four. The line in between, you'll notice that the repeat it follows uh, the same kind of construct that we have with a tell block, where you begin a tell and you end a tell. With a repeat loop, you begin the repeat and then at, there's an end repeat that indicates to the computer that 
this is where I'm stopping the repeat. Let's just do anything in between those two lines. And in this case, we only have one operation we're doing. It's line seven. And it says, set the end of the table data to the value of cells two through minus one of row I. And let's look at that. Set the end of the table data. It's you're appending information to a list. So if I have a list and my list has three things on it and I want to add something to the end of the list, this is how you do it in AppleScript. You say set the end of this list, table data, to the value of cells two through minus one. Remember, minus one is just a, uh, in programming a fancy way of saying the last item, the last row the last column. Cells two through minus one, the last cell, of row i. And remember, i is our loop counter, so each time it's going to be either two, three, or four. So if this was the second, the first time this loop ran, it would say set the end of the table data to the value of cells two through minus one of row two. Then to do the same thing again, say row three, and then it do row four. And what is happening is each time we're doing this, our list gets added to, our table data container gets added to, and then we end up with nice three sections in there of multiple lists within our table data variable. So you could actually do the same thing, but say set the beginning, right? Couldn't you, if you needed to flip your data for whatever reason? Exactly. You can use the word beginning. AppleScript understands that. Uh, in AppleScript, the index of the first item in a list is one. In JavaScript, they use a zero index. So the first item is zero, item zero. But AppleScript is more English-like. And in, in, in English, we don't go, will the zero person please stand up? We say, will the first person stand up? So AppleScript uses the one as the index for the first value of a list or an array. And end is an identifier to show where you're going to be appending the data to instead of beginning or the end. You could also say middle. There, AppleScript uses a uh, lot of positional indicators that are just normal English language. And so then the, the other, once we've closed off our repeat and we close the end tell for the, the block talking to the table and then end tell for the application, we've completed the conversation with numbers. And what is what we have to show for it are three containers, one called column titles that holds all of the titles of the columns. We have a row title container that contains the names of uh, the column the column names, the column titles contains the row column names. And then we have table data that contains the information pulled out of the cells. So we have all, we've cleaned out our table, we've extracted what we need, and we have it in three containers that we can now use with another application. That's a great thing about AppleScript is that it makes it easy 
to transfer data between applications. You don't have to write that data to disk or you don't have to put the data in some other file and then go get it again. In AppleScript, you could just hold it in memory and then switch applications that you're talking to and go to the second application and use that data, which is what we'll be doing here. So the, so next we go over to Keynote. Exactly. So lines 12 through 17 through the end of the script, we now have our data from the table. And now we're ready to do something with that in Keynote. And if we were in front of the script editor or in front of script debugger, and we opened up the dictionary for Keynote, you'll see that not only does Keynote have an extensive scripting dictionary where it talks about documents and slides and transitions and templates and all the different things that, that the Keynote does, it also has sets of commands. Commands are, th- are verbs like make, uh, print, close, quit, open, And then there are some specialized commands for each application that are commands that just that application does itself. Like uh, an application like TextEdit would not understand the word rotate that Photoshop would use. So if you were scripting Adobe Photoshop, you would use the word rotate maybe sometimes if you were adjusting your images. But TextEdit doesn't really understand the what rotate means, and it wouldn't have that as a command. So that would be a command specific to that application. There are some commands that are common to all applications, like open, close, quit, print, things like that. But in this case, the command on line 14 is add chart. So Keynote has a command just for creating charts. And we can address that command and use it to target a specific slide. So line 12 begins our our talking to Keynote. We're saying, tell application Keynote, hello. And we begin with the tell block and we end with the tell block at line 17. And anything in between is talking to Keynote. Then we're going to talk to a specific object in that Keynote. And it's going to be the current slide of the front document. Now, what does current slide mean? Current slide's a property of the document uh, in Keynote, and it just means what slide you have selected in the interface. That's the current slide. So whatever slide the user currently has selected, we're going to be addressing it. So tell the current slide of the front document. So if I have two Keynote documents open, it's the one that's on top of the other one. And I'm going to talk to the current slide. And then in between, the actual command is on line 14 and 15. It's actually one line, but I couldn't fit it on one line in the page. So there's a character at the end of line 14 that looks like a line with a little squiggly going down. That means that's a wrap character. It means that it's an option L. And it means that uh, this is actually, the next line is actually part of the script statement. So, but for convenience purposes, I'm wrapping it to the next line so that we can see it easier. So the line, uh, the command on line 14 is actually one long statement. And it is this, add chart, and then the first 
a parameter for our command. It needs to know what are your row names for the chart. And that's the parameter, row names, two words. And I give it that value of row titles, my container. So the first parameter of the add chart command is row names. I pass that my container that contains the row titles. Then the second parameter for the command is column names. And I pass it the uh, container that is holding the column titles. I say column titles. And then the third parameter is data. And I pass it the container that is holding the table data. Then the next parameter is type. What kind of chart do you want to make? And you'll notice in purple, there's uh, something called vertical underscore bar underscore 2D. In the Keynote Dictionary, they have a, a, a textual representation of each one of the possible charts. And that's what they use for the representation for a vertical bar chart that's 2D, not 3D. And I, I would imagine if you went in that code and changed the 2 to 3, you probably got a 3D chart. You probably get a 3D chart. <laughs> you do. I just tested it. <laughs> yes, there you go. And then the last parameter is how do you want this data grouped by? And, and I don't know if you've done a lot of charts, but there's an axis. So you can say, I want to group by the column or by the row is really what it is. So group by is the parameter and the value for that is chart row. So I want my uh, column, uh, I want my bar chart to be uh, grouped by the row value because it will invert it for you if you want to. And you can always, as you see in the video at the end of this page, I go in and I switch the axis to, the, to show how that data can be transformed easily within the document itself. So then we close off our, our tell blocks on the last two lines. We're finished talking to the current slide and we finished talking to Keynote. And that's it. In that 17 lines, we have addressed the numbers application, found a specific table, extracted the headers, extracted the table data, then addressed Keynote, found the current document, the current slide in the front document, and then added a converted that data into a chart, all within 17 lines of AppleScript, and it happens in a fraction of a second when you actually run it. That's pretty amazing. It is. And, and just imagine if you had to like go to your boss every Wednesday and give a presentation and you had to incorporate a chart and you had the date already. Uh, running this Apple script automates that process for you. And this is just a jumping off point. You know, we've given you the code, Sal's written, you can download it and use it as is, or you can start changing the chart types, or you can start, you know, just go in there and start fiddling with it. You know, you can always re-download it if it breaks. And you're doing Apple script at that point. I mean, that's the beauty of this. I, I learned all this Apple script from Sal. I don't think I've written few of any scripts from scratch by myself where I just started, you know, line one with a blank cursor because so much of this stuff is out there. You can download it and start modifying it to make it work for you. Exactly. You ne don't really need to sit down and learn all of these words and how it all works. I mean, obviously it's a really powerful tool. And I, you know, if you're ready to get into this stuff, you can, but also Cell's just given you everything that you can download it and run it. You know, you don't need to necessarily understand it, obviously try to, but 
it's really useful as it is. If you go to iWork Automation, which is linked off of the macOS Automation uh, main page, it's an entire site for just scripting the iWork suite of applications. And this script is actually part of the keynote section under it, uh, it or under the numbers section. Sorry, it's under the numbers section. Uh, there's a, on the right-hand side, it says exporting to Keynote. There's a couple uh, examples there and that explain how the script works. So there's hundreds and hundreds of scripts available for you just dealing with iWork uh, on the iWork Automation website as well. And once you've used one of these, it's like David said, it's easy to understand what's going on and use bits and pieces of things that you've seen or other people use or provided and put them together in creative ways to do what you want to do with the computer. Yeah, you know, we released this show on Friday for a reason, because the goal is that our listeners will spend the weekend kind of learning whatever new automation we talked about. Um, I, if you go to this macosautomation.com site, I recommend having some vacation time stored up because <laughs> there, it is a rabbit hole. There is so much great stuff. If you want to automate your photos application, I mean, honestly, a lot of this stuff is going to be future content for our show. We're going to talk about some of these automations, but, but there's so much stuff here that, that Sal has put together at macosautomation.com and, and just go take a look, and I'm sure you're going to find something you you would like to play with. And because it's all there, you can download it. You can you can go ahead and break it, and then fix it. And before you know it, you're programming, and that's the beauty of this stuff. Yes, and if anybody makes any tweaks to this to the to the original Apple script to make it work for them, please post it in the forum so that everybody else can you know steal it because this is an an amazing way to get started. So please, please share what tweaks you make to make it yours. Uh, to borrow a great idea that Apple has of everybody can code. Well, I think we can even go a step before that. Everybody can script, you know, it's coding and it uses the same kind of concepts of understanding objects. And it uses the same ideas about repeating and extracting and manipulating and empowering and it, scripting is a great way to get yourself into the idea of the, that the power of the computer should reside in the hands of the one using it, that this is there for you. This is built into this computer. It's built into the Apple software. It's built into third-party software, and it's waiting for you to just spend a little bit of time to take advantage of it. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording how it feels like there's a little bit of a, a wave building on automation between series shortcuts and things going on. And honestly, we started developing the show months before any of that stuff got announced. So we, we just got lucky, I guess. But the um Yes. Uh, but you know, how do you see, Sal, as someone who's so knowledgeable about Apple script and JavaScript and and you know worked for Apple for so long? How do you see all this fitting together with the Siri shortcuts and the stuff that Apple is now bringing you know, to the forefront? Automation is a fundamental thing about computers and not only computers, but just humans. As humans, we've always looked for ways to automate what we do. It's just a natural instinct. It's what makes us human. It's what makes us creative. It's what inspires us. 
And so that's never going to go away from the computer. And it's one of the things that attracts us to Macs is that it's always been a device that allows us to explore and create with our own tool sets that we make ourselves. And one of the interesting things that's happening is that this world is coming to iOS too. With groups like, like software developers like the Omni Group, uh, who have implemented uh, core JavaScript as a scripting language for their applications like OmniGraphle and OmniOutliner on iOS, you're starting to see the same kind of creative palette that you had on the Mac. You're starting to see that happen on iOS. And then you have dra- uh, applications like Drafts or OneWriter that support JavaScript, core JavaScript as well, and expose their apps and functionality. And a lot of these apps are now using URLs as a communication uh, path uh, instead of Apple events, they're using URLs because that's what's available currently on iOS. And I think that what you're seeing in the sense of the wave building, your instincts are right on, David and Rose. Your instincts are right on. Is you're sensing that there's a wave happening, and I really believe it is because that same ability is coming to that platform. And it's also being shared across both platforms. What Omni has done is they've implemented an automation solution through Omni Automation that works both on Macs and iOS exactly the same way. You write the same script, it runs on both platforms the same. And I think that that's the beginning of a new wave of automation, a new wave of user empowerment. And I think that's coming. And it's really important for Apple and to be part of that as well. I think that Apple wants to grow their platform, especially in the enterprise and education markets. And I'll bet you as more automation comes to iOS that you're going to see an increase in sales in the enterprise because all of a sudden now you can make that device yours. You can create a set of tools that your team or your staff use that solve those problems and and frees them from drudgery and allows them to to be as productive as they can be for you. And I think that uh, Apple senses that too as well. And I'm looking at the changes that they've made in Mojave, and I'm looking at what they're doing with iOS 12 and Siri shortcuts, and I'm going, mm-hmm. They, it's part of the part of it. They're embracing this, and I bet you it's going to reward Apple with increased sales, increased loyalty, increased excitement about their products again. And once you get that excitement going, it's infectious. People love to share the tools that they've created. They love to make product productivity things and then share that with their team or share that with other individuals. And Rose, you're a great example of that. Thank you. Yes, it's really exciting. I was watching the keynote and I was like, they mentioned Automator on stage. Are you kidding yeah. me? They mentioned Automator <laughs> on stage. And uh, yeah, I, I was there freaking out a little bit. And a couple of people at, uh, at AltConf were looking at me like I was a bit crazy. It's like, no, it's fine. Seriously, this is good stuff. Yeah. They're like, Automator? Automator? 
you could use AppleScript. It's like, yes, but Automator is a very good starting point. So I, I can tell you that, you know, Automator and AppleScript have been part of every Apple keynote. They run in the background, you know, it's like when all of a sudden an email comes in from Tim or something, that just doesn't happen by magic, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or when, you know, all of a sudden uh, Craig walks up to the machine and it's perfectly set up for this particular demo. It, there's a reason behind that, you know? And Apple uses automation to a high degree, like any other large company. I mean, 80% of, of, of top tier companies that have a lot of computers use automation. They rely on it. You can't make charts by hand. You have to automate that process. You can't produce content by hand, especially if you're doing huge websites with lots of, of images and media materials. That's got to be automated. It's the only way to through automation, you get speed, accuracy, consistent output and scalability. And there's no other way to do that besides just throw bodies at something. And then you're dealing with, the, you know, the, the normal problems of dealing with humans and, and you're not using them to their best potential and you burn people out. And that's not what you want to be about as an organization. You want to be an organization that leads and inspires and automation plays a big role in that. And, and you know, if there's a mission statement for this podcast, it's that you don't need to big, be a big company to take advantage of that. These tools are easy enough that anybody can do it. I, I got a feeling I just hit you guys over the head with a Nerf bat, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yes. Yeah, anybody can get started. And even if your organization or a company that you work for is not necessarily thinking in terms of automation yet, just do it yourself. That's something, you know, I, I do it at work. That's my job. My job is to automate things so that we don't have people sitting there copying things from spreadsheets into programs anymore. They just type it straight into the program. Um, and, you know, it makes life easier. And you'd be surprised at how quickly people get on board when they see, oh, right. So that table that you have to create every week in numbers, you can just snap your fingers. And in the time it's taking you to snap your fingers, that script is run and boom, you've got a fancy looking chart and keynote ready to go that's the sort of thing that gets people on board. Yeah, and you know, if there's a mission statement to this podcast, it's that you don't need to be Apple to take advantage of this stuff. It's easy enough and it's fast enough that anybody can do it. Whether you're a one-person shop or whether you're managing your kid's soccer team or you've got a dental practice or whatever. And we really want you to take that out of this show that you can do this stuff. Yes, definitely. So, you know, one way you could get better at doing this stuff is going and taking a three-day course on AppleScript. And there just happens to be one in October. Uh, the Command-D Down-Home Scripting Bootcamp, um, where you get taught by the master, Sal will be there teaching you for three days about how to get better at AppleScript. And, and you know, I, 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 I think back to those two days I spent with you um, at Macworld, I really think it, it was a huge step for me in, in my automation journey. And I, I hope anybody that's interested in this stuff goes and checks it out. And we even have a discount code. Yes, yes, we do. But you're going to have to do a little bit of coding to figure out the discount code, aren't you, David? Yeah, we decided to make the code. Uh, Sal uh, asked us, well, what do you want the code to be? We said, well, let's make people write their first line of Apple Script to get $200 off. So, so Rose, what's the code? The code is very, very simple. It's tell app discount. All one word, small letters, <laughs> lowercase. <laughs> Syntax isn't quite right, but uh, yes, that's what that's what we can use. So, tell app discount. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so you don't need to write us and tell us we're missing the quote marks or spaces. We understand. <laughs> but, no, but this, we, we get but that. Just, trust me. Just be quiet and get your two hundred dollars. Just you know. <laughs> Definitely, yes. I, I and, wanted to mention that I'll be teaching this with Ray Robertson, who's an absolute master of uh, AppleScript instruction. He is just the most patient and personable guy and he knows scripting inside and out and it's just a joy to work with him so we'll both be there plenty of hands-on attention and it's down home because it's in cartersville georgia and where we can go to partake in some southern hospitality and i'm really looking forward to that it's i'm sure it's going to be absolutely fabulous and of course if you go to this you'll get to hang out with a bunch of other people who are also interested in automation and trade ideas with them and borrow them and expand them and make them your own which is one of the massive advantages of going to these things in person you really get to feed all the ideas in together yeah i I saw ray uh was teaching us some apple script last year at command d he made an analog clock with Apple Script. I to this day I have no idea how he did it. The guy really <laughs> knows his stuff. <laughs> I think it was using Illustrator or something, right? Yeah, I he was think scripting it was... Illustrator. And it, it, it had a second hand that was sweeping. Crazy. It, it, good crazy. Amazing. Definitely good yeah. crazy. Well, yeah. well, Sal, we promised our our audience like forty five minutes, but we have you on the show, so of course we're going to go over a little bit. But so, but I want to ask you one last question. Um, what was your first automation? I mean, you're the master of this stuff, but you started somewhere. What is it that got you on this path? I uh, had a. I was working in a print service bureau in Charlottesville, Virginia, and you know, in the early day, it was the early days of uh, desktop publishing. And we had a Linotronic 100, something like that. And we were getting hundreds and hundreds of files coming through the door every day. And I'd have to go through manually these PageMaker and Quark Express files and like make sure, did they put the image to this? Is this set for that? Did they put a background on that? Is the font set for that? And immediately I was looking for ways to automate just checking and flight checking documents you know simple things like that of it's something that could save me from half 45 minutes of sending a file to print and then finding out that wrong font type or image didn't have its background set so i was looking for ways to automate that process. And I had been working with various developers of Quark extensions, and that was quite useful. Uh, we developed a couple things, so one of which was Shadowcaster that did drop shadows on text. It was like the first time that was done. But then I saw an ad in the Apple Developer Magazine for this scripting language called AppleScript, Natural English-like Language for Controlling Applications and Computer. And I bought the the CD, and I spent, uh, I think, $10 or $14 on the scriptable finder. You had to buy a scriptable finder that came on a 400K floppy. And at the time, Quark Express was scriptable. Uh, Dave Shaver and Ralph Risch had... uh, gotten Tim Gill to put left and put scripting into Quark and Quark had this extensive scripting library. And I said, Oh, this is fantastic. Let me try this out. And it's like David said, you know, I, I looked at it and I looked at the dictionary and it says, okay, there's a, 
an object and there's a property and it's, it says I should use the verb set and I should be able to just tell it. So the first script that I ever wrote that got me started was set the color of the current box to blue. And once I ran that and I watched that box in Quark Express turn blue, I just said, oh, this is it. I don't need to go to somebody and say, please write me code to do this. I can do this myself. I can create my own tools. And I promptly fired all my clients. I had a design business. I got rid of all my clients and I spent... 13 hours a day in a room, just sitting there for months, trying to learn and understand and absorb AppleScript. And once I got my head around it, I started writing scripts professionally for big companies like AT&T and Better Homes and Gardens. I wrote a fraction-making script for their recipes. Uh, I wrote scripts for everybody from Showtime to, you know, hundreds of, of big name companies. And I, it's a common thing. Everybody needs automation. And I, I got into the desktop publishing with the local real estate magazine. And I, I created catalog publishing scripts for that, that eventually Apple saw me and convinced me <laughs> through much trickery, they convinced me to join the company. And once I did it, it just took off and accelerated. But that's how I got started. Just one line of code. That's all it takes. Got to get hooked somewhere. And you made it so much easier for the rest of us with all the stuff you've done over the years. So we certainly thank you for that. And and I'm really excited. So the third episode of this new show, we we're able to get a kind of intensive Apple script tutorial from the man himself, Sal Sagoyan. Thank you so much. And uh, do download that script. Play with it. Let us know in the forums how you're using it. And if, like I said, if you want to get better at this stuff, go to the Command D Down Home Scripting Bootcamp in October. Uh, Sal, you're also speaking at a couple of places. I guess you're at the Max Sysadmin Conference, correct? Yes, I'm at Max Sysadmin this year in Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, in October. And I'm speaking uh, with my friends down at MacTech in November. I always love going to. Uh, visit with those guys, Neil and everybody. They're 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 so nice and the food is is outstanding. Yeah. I just love the food there. That's in LA, right? It's in LA and it's really convenient to get to and it's always fun. And like you said, I enjoy being around people who are into automation who are looking for creative ways to use it. And that's what Rose mentioned was that when you're around those kind of people, it's infectious and you start creating things and coming up with solutions that take you way beyond the initial ideas that you had. Well, thank you so much, Sal. This uh, certainly will not be the last time you're invited on the show. I hope we have you on many times in the future uh, to talk about automation as we continue this journey. We are the automators. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Automators FM. Rose is Rosemary Orchard on Twitter. Did I get that right, Rose? Correct. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. yes, you I, did. I'm at Max Sparky. Uh, Sal, you can find over at macosautomation.com. Is there any other websites we should point people at, Sal? Let's just stick with that one. It has links to everywhere else okay. you want to go. 
Yes, I've be careful. There the, are many rabbit holes there. Many, many rabbit holes. It's I've been spending a lot of time with Omni Automation, and I'm just so excited to be able to work with those guys every day. It's great. Oh, I cannot wait to really dig in on Omni Automation and OmniFocus because I'm a big OmniFocus user, and I, I have big plans for that JavaScript stuff that you guys are doing over there. So uh, we may talk to you about that again, too. We will see you all in a couple of weeks. Make sure to go uh, log into the discourse forum for the automators at, what is that? Talk.automators.fm. There we go. Talk.automators.fm. Uh, check it out, and uh, we'll see you all in two weeks.